0: started putting notes together, and I won't lie, I, I tried all week to, to set some time aside and, and write down some notes, and then I wrote down some more notes, and I had about four different sets of notes, and none of them seemed right, and got home from work, and told my wife, I said, I've got to get got to get some notes together. I said, I, I've i got stuff all over the place, but it I just seemed like it wasn't happening, and mind you, I say I got home from work, we're talking like, you know, three hours ago, and uh, so I, I sit down, and I I just couldn't get it, couldn't get there, couldn't get there, so I went downstairs, and Annalise is speaking in chapel next week, and so she wanted to tell me all about her sermon, so we were talking about that for a little while, and I'm watching the clock, and watching the clock, and watching the clock, and this is a new thing for me, because generally, I, only about three times in my life, maybe four, Have I not had like a week in advance? I can tell you what I'm, it may not go to paper until I'm like on my way to church writing while I'm driving or something, but I could pretty well preach without the notes there just to keep me in case I get sidetracked on some story somewhere too long. And uh, I, generally I knew where I was going and and two of those four times I, it didn't matter because I got to church and I think God just let me rest that week because I got there and we we had a service like we had last Wednesday, and I didn't need my notes anyway. And one of those times, I uh, I got to service, and I had struggled for notes all week, and my grandpa comes in, he says, and he would do this from time to time. Now, mind you, before I pastored, he pastored for their same church for 20 years, so, so he could, but he'd come in and say, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and preach tonight. So one of those times, and then this week is about the fourth time in my life that I all week just couldn't seem to get there and then in about 10 minutes I wrote enough notes to preach about or teach or whatever we're going to do this evening for the next three days or so so I hope y'all don't have plans till the weekend um I I promise we'll we'll get through it if we get to eight o'clock um and I'm still going somebody throw things at me um preferably money or food um (laughs) But, but whatever, we get to 8 o'clock and I'm still going. You just start chucking stuff. Uh, so we're going to get into the Word this evening. And um, I, I told you that story to tell you not that I wasn't prepared tonight because I, I really did work on this all week. I just couldn't get there. Um, but to tell you that what we've got this evening is not me. I had my backup notes. Uh, I don't know if you ever had those backup notes. But it's the ones you're like, God, you ain't give me nothing yet. And so you get your own notes there just in case. And I, I had my backup notes ready. just I, I I was prepared, but I wasn't prepared with what God had because he didn't get it to me until about 5.30. But we're going to we're gonna get in here for a few moments and we're going to look and see what God's got for us this evening. Um, but we're going to start out in Matthew, the 28th chapter. I'm going to read the last words of Christ and... I know these have been mentioned recently. I know that because I think I've read this passage fairly recently. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Christ is speaking. This is right at the end of Matthew. Um, Verse 20 is the end of Matthew. This is the, the last thing we find Christ stating before he leaves. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You can be seated this evening. As we, uh, as we jump into this, I, I jump back one verse, and I find it interesting that Christ, before he says, go and teach all nations, he says, all power is given unto me, both in heaven and earth. He makes the distinction to say, okay, I can do whatever I want to do says, but here's what we're going to do. I want you to go and I want you to teach everyone you can teach. We have a name for this passage. We call it the Great Commission. We put a lot of significance to it. Um, it's a fairly life-shaping verse, passage of Scripture for many, because as we, as we look at this, this commission that Christ gives, as Christ is preparing to leave in the physical his time on this earth. He's not going to be here walking with his disciples anymore. He could use those last few moments he had to tell them anything. He could use the last few moments to say, remember everything I taught you and live everything I taught you and make sure you don't stray from this or stray for that. He could use those last few moments to tell them, hey, I, I'm i not going to be here anymore, so uh, you're in charge of this, and you're in charge of that, and I want you to take care of this, and everything to work out. He could have given them organization. He could have given them structure. He could have spent the last few moments teaching them more, saying, let me, let me just tell you a couple more things. We don't have much time left. If I could give you one or two more of these parables so that you'll have just a few more nuggets of my knowledge. He could have stopped to Debate one more Pharisee he could have done anything he wanted with his last little bit and we we put a lot of stock in last words sometimes. anyone from a honored family member that is sitting there and sitting around a deathbed and I remember the the last few words I heard of my grandfather were. few words he told me is he was proud of his grandchildren as we took them and he got to spend a few moments with them shortly before he passed and those those moments with him were spoke a lot to me maybe it's a, a death row inmate and they're about to be killed but before they're put to death they're given that opportunity do you have any last words oftentimes we take extra stock into what the somebody has taken the last couple minutes and they knew they didn't have any time left so we put extra stock in what it was they had to say but as Christ has these last few moments and he can tell anything he trusted the teaching he'd already given because he didn't teach anymore he didn't say wait a minute I forgot to tell you this one thing he trusted what he had already given he trusted the time that his disciples went in fact he he really trusted his disciples because he's, he's leaving and they're going to be there and he's not telling him take care of this, take care of this, do this, do that. Make sure you live this way, make sure you live that way. He simply says, go and teach everybody. Christ says, I've given you the, the building blocks. I've given you what you needed to start this ministry, to start this thing called the church, so which you haven't given, what you haven't received yet, if you'll go and we can't get on the... Holy Ghost rabbit hole tonight because if I go that way I'll never get back here because I'll be too excited about Acts chapter 2. But he says what I haven't given you, you're going to get here in just a little bit in Acts chapter 2. So I don't have to tell you all about that. All I have to tell you is that you have to take this gospel to everyone. Take it to all nations. I love this passage of scripture because all nations applies to me. There are a few of those passages that when I read them and I hear them, there's something that clicks because I say that Jesus talked about me right there. I can read that all nations, and I can say, wait a minute, I wasn't a Jew. I'm all nations. I can read that, that passage, maybe in Acts, that says, Go ye therefore, or sorry, for the promise unto you and your children, all those afar off, even as me, the Lord our God shall call. And I can say, wait a minute, I'm the, even all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, that's me. And Christ is saying, okay, I may want you to take this to everyone. I know that's not all that groundbreaking or earth shattering, except that commandment is just as much a commandment to me as it was to Peter, James, and John. He's he's giving that commandment to me just as much as he was to everybody else, and Recently I I don't know, maybe I'm the only person but I sometimes get frustrated and it's a trait I inherited from my grandmother that I want to just go kind of get behind people and start just kind of kicking them into the church doors. I don't know if you've ever herded cattle before with one of those little zzz, zzz, cattle prods. It's like a taser on a stick. They're wonderful. I never actually got to use it on the cows, but I can tell you it would move my cousins around something fierce. You get a taser on a stick after somebody, they're going where you want them to go. And I was the oldest. So it was easier. Man, I could get the taser on a stick away from them. But you could go out after the cows. Now the reason I never really used it is all our cows would eat out of my hand and you could kind of just holler at them and point and they'd go where you wanted them to go so I never had a cow act out enough to let me use the taser on a stick on it but we had it there and it was it was in the barn kind of hanging up on the wall there And all I really ever saw it used for was uh, my cousins and I or my dad and his brothers getting each other with it at some point um, but my granny I remember her one day she Down in the barn lot, working cows, I don't know, giving shots or whatever we were doing. And she saw that in there and she said, you know, just think if we could take that thing to church. And we could, maybe maybe we'll have us a revival down in town and we can just get behind people. She just wanted to take that cattle prod. And she just wanted to get behind people and just kind of get them in there. She said, she said, and my, my grandfather says, honey, you know we can't do that. She says, but if I could just get them to your preaching with this here cattle prod she was i think she may have been serious i my granny was something else but i i sometimes share that frustration that okay i have i have told you about jesus and i've tried to live it out for you and i i don't know what else i can do i've invited you to every service i could for a month of sundays i i don't know how to get you here and i don't understand why you're not here and What's going on? Why aren't you coming? This is so great. Why doesn't everybody have it? And so on that note, we go to the book of Mark, the fourth chapter. And Jesus, I don't know if he, he looked forward and saw me and granny in our aggravation or Maybe he was just teaching, but as he's talking here, he gives this parable of the sower. It says, it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth, popped up quickly, fast, but When the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. He said to them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. The sower find, as I read here, did something really interesting to me. He just sowed. But what the sower did not do we'll say, well, you know, I threw some seed here before and it didn't do much good, so I'm only going to throw it over here. The sower didn't say, you know what, I don't really like the looks of this ground here, and it's It's pretty rocky. I'm just going to drop a couple seeds here. This sower wasn't a gardener. He wasn't out making this perfect row in a garden and poking his finger down and putting one seed here and one seed here and one seed here. But the sower, he's throwing seed. And it falls here and it falls here and it falls here. And it falls here, what the sower never did was take it upon himself to deem the worthiness of the ground he threw the seed on. The sower never got frustrated like I would have and said, you know what, I'm not falling for that again. I already threw seed right here and nothing grew. So this spot is not worth my seed. Sower's boss said, sow the seed." So the sower went out. He said, I've been told to sow. So I'm going to sow the seed. Christ goes on with the parable. Jump down to about chapter 14. He says, the sower soweth the word. And these are they. He says, there's some people by the wayside that the word sowed. And they hear it. But when they've heard, Satan cometh immediately and taken away the word that was sown into their hearts. Christ says, there are some people that you've sown to him, but just as soon as you got seed to him, before it could ever get watered and germination could ever start, and anything could start to grow, Satan got to him before he could get there and it was plucked out of their heart. I wonder if the next year when the sower walked by and threw the seed, if maybe, maybe it caught that time. The The person there that had that seed yanked from their heart, they weren't any less worthy of the seed the sower threw. They weren't any less worthy to have the seed thrown to them the next time because what they had was taken from them. And the sower did not disallow them to have that seed. He didn't say, you know what, you're a little close to the wayside and we may not be quite as successful over here. He simply said, I'm going to sow my seed to all the ground I can get it to. Excuse me. He says, And there are these likewise which are sown on stony ground. And they've heard the word and they receive it with gladness. They're excited. They say, Oh, I got the seed. I'm so excited to have it. And something begins to spring up within them. They start out and they are on fire and things are going Well, When they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, so they endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth For the word's sake, immediately they are offended. He said, there are those that when the seed gets there, they are excited and they're leaping for joy and they're jumping and they're shouting and they're running around and and as they get there and they're moving and they're excited, something comes, life happens. And they had never gotten the roots planted down that they needed to. They had never quite gotten that grass to take hold. Never got past maybe from the milk stage to the steak stage. And as they're trying to grow in Christ, before they get dug in to where they need to be, something happens and they get fall into the wayside and shrivel up because the roots weren't there. But does that mean they were any less deserving of the seed? The sower he just sows seed. He said, and "There are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Just so much going on in life, and they're so worried about everything else happening." seed is never able to take place because it's just fallen amongst everything else. But the sower didn't say, you know what? There's already a briar patch here. There's no point in me throwing seed. There's no point in me trying to plant anything here because look at all the junk that's here and I, I'm i just wasting my time and wasting my seed. But no, the sower, he just sowed the seed. And there, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. You know what the very next parable Christ gives after the sower? The very next thing he talks about is you being a candle and letting your light shine. He says we have to go and sow the seed We have to go and plant regardless of where the ground is, regardless of what that person looks like or what that person acts like or how their life is living. They are not any less deserving of the word or any more. I am not any more deserving than they are is a better way to put it because none of us deserve the goodness of an almighty God. None of us in any way can earn what it is. And I, I can't ever take it upon myself to deem the worthiness of the seed, but how often, if we're not careful, is it in our human nature that we, you know, the people that you want to witness to. If if you say you don't, you're, we've all got those people. It's like man, I'm gonna I'm gonna win them, and we all have those other people that they come and every now and then there's somebody and I'm they're coming and. God's saying you need to tell them about Jesus. And I'm, what's that, Lord? I didn't hear you. You need to, you need to go witness to them. Go, oh, Lord, but my back's hurting. And I I'm just gonna have to sit down for a minute while they pass on by. Oh, 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 I've got to stop and tie my shoe real quick. Maybe they won't see me. There are some people, it's our human nature that there are. Some people that we look at, and if we're not careful, we're allowing whatever uh, prejudices we have. There was, I remember this guy when I was a kid that my dad would take me to this this guy's house. Now, my dad is a, he's one for taking in strays is the best way I can put it. To the point, and I'm sidetracking, shortly after my wife and I moved out, and I say that because I thought it would be a good idea to get married and just move my wife on into my parents' house. That made it six months. Um, but shortly after my wife and I moved out, my, uh, my dad, you can see where my good ideas come from, says, hey, dear, by the way, this guy that just got out of prison needed a place to stay. He's moving into our house. Um, we're, my dad has always taken me to all kinds of wonderful places in the name of the gospel. And so I remember going to Bruce's house every week. The problem with Bruce's house is it was the stinkiest place I have ever been in my life. And for years I honestly just thought my dad couldn't smell. And I'm like, "Dad, why do we have to go to Bruce's house every single week?" "Why why do we have Dad, I don't want to go to Bruce's house tonight. Bruce's house smells bad." And I've got to go sit there in Bruce's stinky house while you give Bruce a Bible study. And we've been, Dad, we've been going to Bruce's house every night for three years now, and it's still stinky, and he still hasn't come to church, and you're still giving him the Bible study. Dad says, next Tuesday we'll be going to Bruce's house. And the next Tuesday, and up until the point Bruce passed away, and it was years later, I was somewhere with my dad and we walked some past just an inordinately smelly place. And he makes the comment, man, that smells just like old Brucey's house. You remember Brucey, son? Up until that point, I honestly had, and I'm talking like I'm up to the teenager at this stage. I honestly just thought my dad couldn't smell. But it wasn't that my dad couldn't smell. It's that he realized that Bruce was worthy of the seat. My dad endured the smell of Bruce all my life, not because he didn't notice it, but because Brucey he was he was worthy of being reached out to. He was worthy and I I didn't grasp that as a kid. I didn't grasp that as a teenager. I'll be honest, when I started out in ministry at you know, nineteen, twenty years old and thought I was Knew everything. Um, I didn't grasp it then, but there comes a point, probably shortly after uh, my wife and I started pastoring, that I, I I begin to grasp and I begin to understand what it meant to go to Bruce's house on a Tuesday night. What it meant to, and there there were a whole string of Bruces had Ralph that thought it would be cool to shoot TVs with his 44 in his living room on video. And sometimes he'd do it when you came over just for fun. Um, most of these men were single that dad Bible studied too. I'm not sure why. Um, but yeah, Ralph, he would Ralphie, he'd just shoot things. It was what he did. He was an interesting guy. He was really good at fixing computers from the eighties. Um, nothing newer. Uh, I don't really know what he did because I don't know how you made a living in the early 2000s fixing 20-year-old computers. But we'd go see Ralphie from time to time. And and Ralphie came to church a few times and I remember him being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And shortly after he passed and my mom being glad that she didn't have to worry about us accidentally getting shot while Ralphie was shooting TVs in his living room. And I realized that at that point, every time we sat through one of those smelly houses or fairly good chance of getting shot places, that we went through that because there was a soul there that needed some seed. But it is only our job to sow. It's only our job to water. It's Sometimes we look at it and we... We start to wonder how can I grow the church? How can I? How can I save this? And if we're not careful, we're trying to get everybody to heaven. It's not my job to get them to heaven. It's my job to sow the seed and my job to water. We hit this verse in Corinthians in Bible study a few weeks ago, and Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's writing about some disputes they've got. And we'll not rabbit hole there this evening, but as he's talking, he says, "I planted." apollos watered he says but god gave the increase and i can find that point now that i can look at this and i can say maybe maybe we all have a bruce that maybe there's a person that you've been reaching to and reaching to and reaching to and i I pray that yours smells better than bruce did but maybe there is somebody that you've been working and working and maybe it's been five years maybe it's been 10 years maybe it's been 50 years it's not our job to give the increase. But whether it's been five years, whether it's been 50 years, it's still our job to sow the seed. Maybe the person that you've, God's placed in your way, maybe maybe they're the undesirable. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're the person that you just want that person to come to your church. But whoever it may be, I don't ever want us to find a place that we look at the ground and we say, this is too thorny. And this is too stony. And this place here, it's just a little too close to the wayside. I don't want to find myself being a Goldilocks of Christians. Say, you know that Great Commission... Christ gave, I know he said all nations, but you know he really meant all nations to the person that's just right. If everybody had it all together, <laughs> we wouldn't need the church. If everybody already had, all, nobody's had it all together since the fall in the garden. So, you ain't going to find that just right Goldilocks scenario, but what we're going to find are people that are hurting and people that are lost and people that are broken, and sometimes that manifests itself in ways that are not all that attractive to me. But that does not make that person any less worthy of receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying all this tonight to, to beat anybody down or accuse anybody of not taking the gospel to someone that deserves it, but simply I want us to leave tonight with a reminder that every person we come into contact with, every single person that we have an opportunity to talk to all of them. All of them are deserving of that seed. All of them fall under that all nations that Christ spoke about. As he said, go therefore and teach all nations. Tell everybody that you can get to about the gospel, about the goodness of Jesus. Tell everybody that you can get to and everybody that you can find. Let them know about Jesus. All are worthy. All are desirable. Watched a video recently that young Brother Kaiser has has brought to my attention. If you need comedic relief, this young man will always be on point. We were watching Brother Barry preach. And Brother Barry, what did he say? He said, plant that seed. Plant that seed. And he said, plant that rock. And I, I... I really tried to work that into the sermon tonight for you, and that's as close as I can get. Because I can't find anywhere we need to be planting rocks. Sorry. Um, But we do need to plant the seed. We do need to take every opportunity we have, and every moment we have, and every time that we get a, uh, just a glimpse, a touch into somebody's life, a place to reach to somebody. Maybe sometimes we're reaching to somebody, and it's let me tell you who Jesus is and what he can do for you and let me reach to you and let me pray for you. Maybe it's, let me buy your lunch because I know you don't have anything. Sometimes it's, oh, you've got a place and a situation and you're hungry. Uh, here's Jesus. Sometimes it's, oh, you, you're you not able to take care of this and you need help with it. Let me do that for you. But whatever the time, whatever the place, whatever the situation, in every interaction that we have, we have to realize that it's our job. Not to get them to heaven because we can't do that. It's simply our job to plant the seed. And it's our job to water. It's not our job to decide who gets it. It's just our job to give. This evening, I'd like us to close with a few moments in prayer. and I would like to ask, and I would like each of you to ask with me, that God would place someone in our path this week. Place somebody before us that, that regardless of who they are, that He will put us in a place and put somebody in front of us us and give us the, the wisdom and the boldness to plant a seed. So as we... Close in prayer this evening. I want to take a moment and just ask that he will place that person. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for all you do. We thank you for all that you've given. And God, I am so thankful for the gospel that you've given to me. Lord, I ask this week that you place someone in my path that needs that gospel that I've got. I ask this week that you place somebody in my path, Lord God, and allow them to be the the soil upon which I can plant the seed, God. Help me not to be, try to be someone that decides the value of the soil, but Lord, help me to be a person that as you place the soil in my path, I can plant into it. Help me, Lord, to reach my people, my circle of influence, and those around me for you. and Give me wisdom and give me boldness, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. You're dismissed this evening. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you on Sunday, expecting the Lord to do great things.